Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, 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 well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome, ma'am. How are you doing? For all our listeners and all our family and friends who are here today listening to Parents Engaging Parents, our podcast, where we like to make sure that the parents' energy voice and choice or how they want to see education is expanded on. We talk about it, we discuss it, and we give the parents a voice to be able to ask questions. And how we do that is I've been taking a series of questions through over the week and uh, from a lot of the parents throughout the state of New Jersey that engages us at Parents Engaging Parents. And we bring on guests and hosts that can help us wrap around some of the hot topics. And one of them is and I'm sure you know for your for your, your profession and your engagement in New Jersey is education um, funding and how that is and what that looks like and just some of the ins and outs of it. Um, so for our listeners, I want to definitely welcome you. I want you to give them a chance to understand exactly who you are so you can give them your name, your um, position in the state of New Jersey, and then your interest around um, school funding and what voice that you bring to the table today. Sure, sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. I think this is such a great thing that you are doing and so needed um, for all parents across the state. So it's really a a pleasure to be here today. Um, I'm Jane Ellen Duffy, and I currently serve as a senior advisor to Jersey Can, which is a nonprofit education advocacy organization, which has been up and running for about six years. Okay. Um, and I was the founding executive director of Jersey Cam, yes. and then uh, about a year or so ago, transitioned to become a senior advisor. Okay. Um, but before that, um, I I have been working in New Jersey sort of education policy and politics for about 15 years, okay. and um, I started my career down in D.C. working on yes. the Hill, um, and then I worked for Governor Corzine oh, okay. for his term, which was um, like basically 2006 through 2000. Or 2005 through 2009, mm-hmm. and um, so that's where I really got really deeply rooted in school funding issues. As you can imagine, yeah, because the funding act was 2008. That's right. right. Yeah. So for the first two years of his term, we worked on the school funding reform act, um, and then we worked on implementation of it. Okay. So it's something I lived and breathed okay. for okay. a long time, um, and then um, after. Um, Governor Corzine lost re-election. Mm-hmm. I have been in, working in the nonprofit space um, around education issues, both at the New York Charter School Fund and then at Jersey Can. So it sort of stayed like attuned to what's happening in school funding because of the impact that it has across all the schools and especially on charter schools. Definitely. So, so that that's beautiful. So now I know we can get to some real information, and and and, and it's important that. We speak or speak on it where it's able to be received. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure there is a is a formula, so mm-hmm. I understand there's, there's different levels of complication in it. To all our um, map gurus may be to get it. <laughs> Some of us who don't, um, you know, travel in that world of mathematics, they seem to 
be a little confused yet. I believe that there's a way that we can speak this out. And um, I dig a little research, a little different thing. So I put some things in front of you so Mm -hmm. which I can straight ask you up Mm -hmm. front. Mm -hmm. And the first thing is, why does New Jersey fund education (laughs) at all? Why isn't it not done in our local community? You have a, like, why isn't Cedar Grove funding their school education on their own accord? Or why isn't you know, Trenton funding um, education on their own accord, or do they? Or mm-hmm. do they play a part? So why does New Jersey, the state of New Jersey, need to be putting into education? Sure. I think that's a great place to start. Um, so just um, by way of background, I would say, just to sort of set the stage, yes. um, one of the things is that the federal government really doesn't provide that much money for okay. education, for K through 12 education. Okay. Um, they do provide some money, some pockets of money, like for like special when education. You say that much. If I had a pie, we yeah. talking about one third. We talking no, about no. We'd be talking like um, 10%. yeah, fifteen percent, ten percent, exactly, kind of on average. Yes, sir. And so really, like the, the bulk of the responsibility falls on like the local ta- Tax property pay. taxpayers okay. and then the state in our case. Okay. Um, and so where you started here by laying out what the constitutional requirement is, is exactly the right place to start because our state constitution includes a clause that the, says the state has to provide for a thorough and efficient education mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. all students. And there was a series of court cases started in the 70s, mm-hmm. um, Robinson versus Cahill, uh, that then segued into the Abbott court okay. cases that have basically been going on since yeah. you know the 90s through now. Um, that has played a big role in ensuring that the state is taking its full responsibility to fund schools. So, um, like you said, it really kind of varies, like, district to district. Um, And that's largely because of, like, what's happened with the court cases. So, throughout this series of court cases, 70s all the way up till now, Mm -hmm. what the state found, I mean, excuse me, what the state Supreme Court found is that the state has its constitutional responsibility to ensure the thorough and efficient education of all students. And particularly, um, it was particularly troublesome in what were the former Abbott districts. Okay. The 30, at the time, um, the 31 sort of poorest urban areas in the state. Um, and the court said that the state was on the hook to ensure that kids in those districts were getting parity in terms of their funding with higher income districts. Okay. Like, the districts are all like ranked. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely breaks it down. Like um, the poorest districts um, are called the A and B district, and it goes all the way up through I and J, like through the alphabet. It is for contest. We're talking mm-hmm. about 500 plus districts in, exactly. in, in New Jersey. Exactly. About 600, about actually. 600, yeah, actually. yeah. Okay. So we have this very fragmented system. And as you know, and I know all your listeners know, like we've been incredibly. Um, crazy state because there's like such income inequality. I mean, you can literally, you know, be driving, you know, for 10 minutes and you're going in and out of town with very different um, levels of income in each town. And so what the court said was like, you know, um, Trenton, you know, deserve, kids in Trenton deserve the same level of funding that kids in Princeton deserve. Exactly. And so that they said, basically, we got to be looking at the fact that Trenton, the property taxpayers there, don't have the ability to pay a lot, so the state needs to come in and compensate. fill in and compensate for that. So the state 
started doing that and um, and adhere. There was like tons of different school formulas that were passed mm-hmm. like over the 90s and even into 2000. Okay. Um, and the state was like trying to get it right, like for all these different governors and all these different. They were coming up with all these different formulas, trying to trying to ensure that there was parity mm-hmm. between um, the the former Abbott districts and the wealthier districts. Um, and it got to a point mm-hmm. when Governor Corzine came in that like the system was just really broken, and um, they tried all these formulas, nothing could be funded, mm-hmm. and um, we were at a point where over half of the dollar for school funding the state was supplying was going to a quarter of the students in our state because the state the state was doing a pretty good job funding the former Abbott district. Okay, they were being funded at like on average it was like depending on which district you live in like. $20,000 a student, you know, $22,000 a mm-hmm. student. And then you had half of the poor kids in the state were not living in the Abbott district. So the state was very unbalanced. So we're talking about, okay, I get you, because are we talking about like rural places? Exactly. Even like what people have been started calling like Abbott Rim districts. So um, like towns outside of a, an urban area where there's a lot of like, Working class families, mm-hmm. they weren't getting really any money from the state. Yeah, like play like Avenel Exa- and places like exactly, <laughs> exactly. So we were like, this is clearly a broken system. We have to address that. Um, but um, I can go back. I can talk more about the court decision. But that's kind of what got us yeah, to that point. Us, yeah. yeah. Let me ask you also. Um, we're looking in our state of New Jersey a nine billion dollar budget from from this. For, for education. For education, yeah, it's always yeah. been. It's been. It, it depends on whether you count the money that the state puts in for mm-hmm. pensions as well, too. Okay. Um, and so it's, it's anywhere from ten to eleven billion dollars, roughly, in any given yeah, let's year. Yeah, think of what a pension. Okay, Just yeah, it's meant that not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a lot of money. You, usually, <laughs> when you look at the state budget, about a third to forty percent is going for education. Mm-hmm. So it is a lot of money. Yeah. There's a lot of money. We do, we typically have ranked as like one of the top states in terms of the money we're putting into education. Mm-hmm. A lot to be done around. Yeah, it could be done yeah, better. Yeah. Um, but we do. That's my question. Mm-hmm. That's a, that leads me to this question. How is it getting divided there? Exactly. Which is the whole because part of the school funding. Exactly. That. Exactly. So before you ask me, so the state, so the court cases happened. The court said, State has constitutional responsibility to, to provide their own efficient education. State started putting in more money to create parity between the Abbott districts and the upper income suburban districts. Yeah. Um, and this is part of your question earlier. The, the, the local property taxpayers had to make up the difference, right? So you had this sort of spectrum where um, in the lower income districts, um, state was putting in the bulk of the money, and just like a small portion of the funding was coming from the local property mm-hmm. taxpayers. Mm-hmm. And then at the other extreme, you have like wealthier districts where most of their money is coming from the property taxes and just a little bit from, from the state, um, which is roughly as it should be because you figure the wealthier districts have a greater ability to pay. Exactly. Um, but nonetheless, we still got concerned when we looked at the data and we saw that you know, so much money was going into the Abbott district, which was a worthwhile endeavor, but we weren't able to like accommodate students outside of the Abbott district. Mm-hmm. So we're like, the system is broken. We have to come up with a new school funding formula. Um, Can I hold you right there? Yes, totally. The system is broken. We hear that the governor, just as our current governor said that 
the system is not the problem. The problem is funding the system. Well, so. yes, because we because we created a school funding formula mm-hmm. that um, was a pretty good formula. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't say that just because I worked on it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you no, put no, three thousand hours into no, it. Yeah, my whole life. Um, <laughs> no, because uh, so we 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 took it really seriously. And in, and to to give you a full picture, like yeah, actually the work on the school funding reform act started under Governor McGreevy, mm-hmm. um, and then when Governor Corzine came in, the work continued. Um, there was a ton of work done to get input from educational stakeholders um, on the creation of the new school funding formula. It's crazy because it's like over 10 years old now, but we still mm-hmm. call it the new school funding formula. Um, and so what it did, this is really the heart of your question, is it said, like, we've got to get away from, like, these problematic, you know, formulas yeah. we've had in the past. We're going to look at each district and what are the needs of each child in each district. There were these things called professional judgment panels mm-hmm. that were created, like educators from all around the state, and they said, like, what are the inputs that are needed for a child in a suburban district, an urban school district? And then there was a process used to cost out what that would actually cost. Mm-hmm. And then that helped us create, like, what's like a, like a dollar amount that's necessary to provide this thorough and efficient education mm-hmm. for a child um, in any type of district. There's also an adjustment like um, if you're a low-income student or if you're a child with special education needs, if you're a child with limited English proficiency. So then what the state was able to do is say it was to customize what's called an adequacy budget mm-hmm. for every single district. So it was like really pretty tailored, right? So we were able to say like looking at these amounts that we've said are necessary to educate each of these children, mm-hmm. um, how are we going to create like a, a, a budget that's necessary for that specific district? And then what the formula, this is your question, did was say, okay, we've got these adequacy budgets for every mm-hmm. district. You've got 600 districts, right, up mm-hmm. and down the state. Mm-hmm. Make it, and, you know, some districts, 23 million, some districts is a billion, you know, okay. it's all different. And then what the formula came in and said is, now we have to look at who's responsible to pay for this this adequacy budget for each district. So what it did is it said, we're going to look at the ability of each town to pay for education. And they're going to look at both um, the income of the town and the property value in the Mm -hmm. town. And use that to make a determination around like local fair share. Like what is each district, what should each district be paying towards the cost of its education? And then whatever sort of is a leftover, whatever the, 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 the district can't afford to pay, mm-hmm. the state should be supplying those dollars. Let me, if I, if I could, let me back you up a little sure, bit. Sure, sure. Let's, um, because after we, after you got to the, um, the School Funding Reform Act of mm-hmm. 2008, and we talked about the $9 billion that goes into that funding, mm-hmm. can we just pause for a second and talk to talk into that breakdown. Sure. So sure. um I see there's um I think you spoke about it. Um these former aids, these aids that go into it, adjustment aid, equalization mm-hmm. mm-hmm. aid, mm-hmm. special education, yep. sure. transportation. Sure. And then there's a miscellaneous energy that's also established. Mm-hmm. And I see from this research I was doing that that equals up to the nine million yep. nine billion dollars. Yep. Yeah. They speak of. Mm-hmm. Then, mm-hmm. Then, so I, I take that, and then you went from that. I take in there's an understanding of that um, of that first one, the Equalization Act. 
where they brung in adequacy budget. Yep. Mine is the local exactly. local fair share. Yep. Talk to me about that. Sure, sure. Stu, that's right. Um, I'll follow along here too. Um, they um, there were like all these. Believe it or not, this this was like a simplification mm-hmm. that we created under the school funding reform act. Okay. There were like tons of different yeah, I heard categories. that. <laughs> yeah, it was actually like even more complicated. Yeah. And so what we did under school funding reform act is we collapsed a lot of the categories of aid under into this first category, equalization aid. So when I talked before about like basically what we did then was we we looked at it's almost as if you <clears throat> lined up every single district across the state, okay, like 600 districts, yes, and from like poorest to wealthiest essentially, mm-hmm. ranking them exactly, exactly, and then you that's what equalization wealth equalized equalization okay. aid comes from, and we said we we want to make this wealth equalized, so we want to look at ability to pay poorest district, middle income, all the way up to richest, right, and so what we said is. Um, okay, how much can each of those towns pay? Yes. And then whatever is left over should be sort of like filled in by the state. And that is what equalization aid is okay. designed to do. Okay. Um, and to your point, that's where a large percentage of that money was going to um, to the urban communities. Mm-hmm. And, and yet there were communities outside of the urban community who weren't getting as much as that equalization exactly. that they didn't right exactly and so the whole idea was to like recognize like get away from like abbott versus non-abbott right because that was kind of like this, this like distinction that had been set up like 30 years ago and it, it didn't mm-hmm. it didn't recognize that there were really poor Heard the governor say that was one of the former governor's um worst examples of us versus them exactly yeah like, so. i mean um you know it was it was really bad because you had towns that you know one kid what might live on one side of the street and he was in a you know a separate district mm-hmm. and um and they were entitled to um you know if you were in an Abbott district a lot of different services and funding than if you lived across the street and mm-hmm. so we were like this and is- both those kids were going through the same energies of whatever their life um, pertained exactly but exactly. because they lived across the street from yeah. that line divided. They both need these services, yet his school system allows those services, but his doesn't because of the distinction. distinction. Yes, okay. and so we were like, that is not sustainable. That is not equitable. Mm-hmm. That's why we were like, we got to do a new formula. We got to, okay. we got to, you know, look at this, create this new category okay. of equalization aid. So the idea was like, okay, each town, you know, I don't think there had been changes. Like there had been, there were Abbott districts who, um, you know, Hoboken. As a former Abbott district, um, I heard that too. There's some there's a, there's districts who, what is it called, reclassify or re uh, um, like certify re- maybe? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So to yeah. your point, some are no longer Abbott. Exactly. Are. So what we did with the for, the funding formula is technically and sort of legally when we created the statute, we were like we got rid of the Abbott designation. So we we renamed Abbott districts SBA districts. Development Authority districts, mm-hmm. because those districts are still entitled to um, facilities funding. We can have a whole separate podcast exactly. on facilities exactly. funding. Exactly. But so, I'm, saying, I'm not going yeah, down yeah, that no, rabbit no, hole. No, no, no. I just want to tell you, like that. <laughs> on, that's a whole other like follow well, um, But that, so that way, so, 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 so technically, they're not even, so they don't even, they're not even called Abbott districts anymore. They're called like SBA districts. Um, and and one of the things you were getting at before is like we. 
this the, the past formula like we we had we did so much work to get this formula right like we had those panels that I talked about before. Mm-hmm. Then we mm-hmm. brought in like educational experts from other states to review the panels mm-hmm. and to review the the formula, um, the conclusions and the creation of the formulas, because we knew we were gonna have to go back before the state supreme court to get the court to bless it. Okay. Because if we were gonna get out of this Abbott versus non-Abbott like designation, we knew that the supreme court was gonna have to rule on the formula. Um, and so they they did. They ultimately um, we we created equalization aid. We went into the process. We we got the formula passed, mm-hmm. um, implemented it, and then the Supreme Court um, in 2009 finally ruled on it and said that the formula is constitutional because it did take into account. It, it wasn't like we were turning our backs on the Abbott District. Mm-hmm. We just um, we we wanted to again recognize the needs of all kids across the state. Yeah, because we're talking about 1.4 million children exactly. being educated, and I definitely coming from those communities of from urban community definitely understand the importance and the needs that are going on in those districts. Yeah. Yet I'll be totally remiss from speaking on the other districts, such as like a, a Chesterfield mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they're in the rural part of New exactly. Jersey and exactly. the resources and abilities are not there yet. It's also not being spoke on the mm-hmm. need for them to mm-hmm. receive these things and put them in a position, you know, unlike us, because like I definitely understand that part of the game too yeah. where yes we're in poverty and we're going through a lot so are they yeah and yeah. to eliminate them out the conversation because we're so focused on what we're trying to mm-hmm. do in our urban community i think definitely does not play into what we're trying to do with equal funding yeah for in new jersey exactly so i definitely get that and one thing that i would just add and then we can talk more Please. about adjusting it is that we do have to recognize in the formula um that the concentration of poverty like really matters because obviously kids have needs um, and, and they should be recognized. Low-income kids have needs, but also concentration of poverty matters. So what, when we counted for this, when we created those adequacy budgets, like districts where there were higher concentrations of students who are in poverty got additional sort of um, uh, um, allocation based into their budget uh, to say that actually has an impact. You know, the fact is a higher there's a higher concentration of poverty, that makes it a tougher situation, Definitely. essentially. Definitely. So, we, so we came up with all those adequacy budgets. We looked at, like, okay, who can pay what with these budgets? And, um, and then we recognized, and we came up with a formula to determine mm-hmm. um, like how much to weight, uh, like, the, the, the ability to pay at the local level. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, and then the, the state funding sort of filled in the rest. Um, now couple things. One, we didn't have a billion dollars, you know, to put in the funding formula, you know, in any one given year, state budgets are really tight. So we knew it was going to have to be phased in over time. Um, And that was kind of like something that we had hoped we would have been able to do. Um, And we were able to start start the phasing in the first couple years of the formula, but then in subsequent years, because of the way the state economy was playing out, formula wasn't funded, which is, I think we're going to get to that mm-hmm. later in the conversation. Mm-hmm. But so, um, so implementation is always just as important as the actual creation exactly. of these things. And then the other piece that I would point to here in your um, table, because the adjustment aid was, it's, it's been in the news lately, right? Yes. So I feel like I should spend a little time on yes. that. Um, because when we created the formula, we spent the bulk of the time coming up with that part that I just said, like, mm-hmm. what's the adequacy budget? Like, how much should each district pay? 
does it like pat meet constitutional muster? Um, but then there were like like concerns on the part of policymakers that said we cannot have districts losing funding in the early years. Because if you really looked at ability to pay, right, you look up and down the state and it's mm-hmm. very diversified, you might say, well, you know what, like this state, this district can pay a little more. Mm-hmm. Like if you're actually looking at the numbers and not like, hearsay or whatever, exactly. like you, you would say, okay, like the wealth has changed. Like they could pay a little bit more. Um, but we didn't want to take money away from anybody in the initial years because as you could imagine getting that through the legislature is like incredibly difficult, yeah, right? Yeah. So the formula actually said, the formula said we're going to include this category of aid called adjustment aid. And that made sure that nobody lost money in the initial years. Um, and then the formula said over time, like in five years, um, once if, if districts are losing enrollment and have consistently been losing enrollment, we're going to start taking money away. Um, but that never really fully played out because, as I said, there were, like, difficulties around implementation. So this has been, like, this the hot topic of late because when policymakers have gone to say, okay, we want to, like, like you said, people have said, it's not, it's no longer a broken system. It just has to be, you know. Well, we can't even figure out if it's broken. Yeah. It never was put <laughs> Exactly. It never was executed exactly. the right way. Exactly. Well, and I think there, I think people don't want to necessarily go through the whole process of like redoing the law and all that because they feel like it's a good basis and it was like you know passed by the okay. Supreme Court and so forth. But we have to implement it correctly, to your point, right? And so this is so people have said, all right, well, this adjustment aid it was no longer it was no it was never meant to be like a permanent thing. Okay. It was always meant to be something that helped. Let me ask you, I love what you said. It was yeah. never meant to be a permanent thing. Yet, six hundred districts. And obviously, all of them don't get adjusted, and yet the ones that do, did those districts truly understand that there wasn't? Because let's no. take a, let's take yeah. Jersey City, yeah, yeah, where that's mm-hmm. very yeah. big, big issue. Because on one side, they were receiving a large level of adjustment aid, and it helped them in their situation. Yet you talk to some people from Jersey City, and they believe like when this first was happening. It was led us to believe we were grandfathered into the right, situation. Right, 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 right. And in that, it was going to be continuous. Like, that number was, matter of fact, $5 right, million right, right, right. you get in that, right, right. and that's just what it's going to right. be. And obviously, I can see that obviously they made decisions based on right, that guaranteed right. sure, money. Sure, yeah. That, well, if I'm hearing from you now, mm-hmm. though, no, that money was guaranteed to be a part of your phase-out and, and into this new, into this funding and also we're supposed to take in consideration what you were supposed to be able to do with your enrollment and with your wealth. Exactly. See, people, I, I think this is a really important point that you're raising because it gets lost in the conversation. I mean, it, you know, it was like a big deal or passing a new formula. It was a lot for people to digest and understand, which, I mean, I totally get. Um, but the actual law did say that over time, if enrollment decreases, adjustment is going to get ramped down. Like, we weren't, like, just ignoring that altogether, mm-hmm. you know, because we knew, like, when you're creating formula, when you're doing state policy work, like, you have to look at sustainability. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were like, mm-hmm. this is not going to be sustainable if we just, like, don't look at some of these trends over well, time. On the same side of that conversation, the statement said it doesn't have, I don't know if they do or they don't, but it sounds like they don't have the resources to go into, say, out of the 600 school districts, the 15 that do receive this funding, 
go into and make sure that they're moving accordingly exactly. to getting up out of this. Exactly. It's almost like having a credit card that you know you're going to have to pay yeah, them eventually. Yep, yep, but yep, because mm-hmm. ain't nobody asked you yet. Yeah, yeah. Nah, well, well, I'll tell you, I know. Gingerbread man, hey, when they catch me. Exactly. <laughs> and then, Exactly. And I think there was also this feeling of like, yeah, 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 it's in the law. But like, people don't really like, like, for the most part, like, it's very rare that like politicians or policymakers in general, like, take something away. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, 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 that means like local property taxes have to go up Mm -hmm. to basically, you know, like, so once it's in, it's rolling it back out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, they might have been like, oh, yeah, it's on the books, but like, well, I don't know if they'll ever really do it. Like, we'll see. I live in a district that has been, has had money uh, to be taken back. And people were like, what's going on? You know, and I keep, you know, well, I try to explain it to people. And I'm like, this is actually like, because we have a greater ability to pay, like, you know, and people don't hear that because they, they see their property taxes going up because if they want to maintain the same level of services, it's obviously like somebody's mm-hmm. got to pay, you know? And that's where the parents get in, in a lot of um, situations, not all the way in tune with what's going on with even, because if I'm listening from my side of spectrum, I'm hearing the state came through with this funding and this understanding. It got accepted throughout the state. The districts knew about it, accepted it because they took the money. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and, and yet, internally at each one of those districts, the work that they personally needed to do to make sure that they was in tune. And when I say they, I mean the school board. Yeah. I mean the superintendent. Yeah. yeah. Making sure that they were in position every year to watch that because yeah. as I'm looking it out and I'm doing the, the work on it, to your point, it did not say yeah. <laughs> that you were going to get this money forever. Exactly. And exactly. then on the same token, and only and I'm not picking on Jersey City, mm-hmm. I'm, but if I take a place like that where development is happening, mm-hmm. and which means people, organizations are coming in, there's property taxes to be uh, um, received. Yes, exactly. There's negotiations, because yeah. my grandma always told me, you don't get what you deserve, you get what you negotiate. <laughs> yeah. So if I know the negotiation came into a situation where the abatements that they received, they received Mm -hmm, abatements, mm -hmm. that a lot, whatever was given was centered towards the city and not one that was centered to the city and education, Mm -hmm. where it was like, ah, the city is going to get their piece of it, Mm -hmm. yet what you could give to our education lane it was not negotiated, and mm-hmm. I'm for whatever reason, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it didn't happen. So mm-hmm. somehow it wasn't mm-hmm. negotiated or accepted. And so you gotta build a lot of build up, build up, build up. So wealth is coming in, building is coming in. Yet the money from that mm-hmm. that goes to taxes is not going to your exactly. education. Yet on the state level, and I'm just sitting, I'm just on the outside mm-hmm. looking in. On the state level, it's like. Why not? Right. right. And you right. can't control you right. not doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And you did to the point of the other communities who are suffering exactly. and who have no mm-hmm. ability to develop nothing mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. going to bring taxes into their community exactly. to bring yeah. that money in. So, And I think that's the whole idea. It's like, okay, you, don't, you can't just have a system that's like, you know, Poor, not poor. Like that's like that's like too. It's not dynamic enough to account for all these changes in wealth over mm-hmm. time, you know. And so here, you know, here we are, and mm-hmm. the, the law is still on the books. So it was developed in 2008, mm-hmm. so what 11 years basically we've had it in place. And it's been really fascinating to see, like the governor and policymakers and the Senate president saying, like, we're not going to throw it out. We're not going to like. 
get rid of the school funding formula, but we're going to start like implementing it more. You know exactly what you're saying. Like we're going to be looking at adjustment aid. We're going to be making these changes, making these tweaks. I should also just say, I feel like full picture. <laughs> the, the school funding formula also included a big preschool expansion. Okay. And with the same idea, like recognizing that there are poor kids all over the state. And that also kind of got on put on hold for a while because there wasn't enough state money to fund it. And similarly, just like what's happening with this, these aid categories, um, governors, Senate president, and others are like are like saying like we're not gonna we, we actually want to fund that preschool expansion now too. So mm-hmm. just as a kind of a no. feel good aside, like that's actually playing out now. We're seeing preschool expansion in other places. Cause and, and then I like where you're going with that too because like you said, and part of the thinking was a preschool energy. Yet, also in that thinking was a special education energy. Mm-hmm. So when I look at both these energies, I see a high fixation mm-hmm. on the special needs energy, mm-hmm. which I'm seeing is close to seven, eighty, $780 million mm-hmm. worth of money mm-hmm. versus preschool and how we know that works mm-hmm. and how that helps. Yet, there's no focus. And it's like, this is the way it gets you know, wonky with us. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Why we... We know our children have been traumatized. We know that they've been through mm-hmm. things that, yes, there are special attention needed in the mm-hmm. funding, obviously, mm-hmm. yet to lock in on it, though. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, yeah. we ain't getting the room. No, don't take this away from yeah, us. Yeah. When I'm thinking of the whole development part of the child is to get them out of that special exactly, need. Exactly, yeah. You know, so versus when you, to the point of with preschool, not to invest that money to help them start up right mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. getting them already messed up and have to, and I don't hate the word say messed up, right. I love my no. babies, but to, to be defined as special right. needs, right. you know, so, because that's what I'm looking at, I'm looking at that money, and I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, that's a lot of money, mm-hmm. $780 million, mm-hmm. people want that funding versus wanted that preschool funding. Well, that's just it, I mean, there's a, <laughs> that's what it all comes down to, it's like this you know, how do you make it all work? You know, how do you mm-hmm. make sure that there's money for preschool, money for special education, money for equalization aid? Um, and, you know, I think there seems like there's a pretty good recognition now amongst the policymakers that, of course, special education is really important. We should be doing whatever we can. But also that preschool is incredibly, um, you know, because they've been funding it in the last couple of years. So not only, so the Abbots, again, going back to the court, the, the, the court required high-quality, full-day, full-year preschool in the Abbott district, and so now the state has said, okay, but again, like, there are poor kids outside the Abbott district, the former Abbott mm-hmm. district, so how do we make sure that now other kids are getting access to preschool? So, I mean, look, I think when you think big picture about all of this, that's mm-hmm. a great, like, I mean, there's a lot of controversy yeah. and debate about school funding, right? But the fact that there's two things I think I guess I would point to that are, like, kind of things that are moving in the right direction. One is this preschool expansion, because mm-hmm. I think the recognition of looking at what works, like mm-hmm. you said. We're talking about 50 years of Head Start. Exactly. So we know that preschool works. Exactly. The federal government has funded it since Leonard B. Johnson. Exactly. And my, all my children went through preschool mm-hmm. Head Start. Mm-hmm. So I definitely, and I know to your point that Abbott was putting into preschool for the state um, sometime. You know, yet, yeah, so I, but to your point, I've also know that that was privately. Um, ran and you know me and you would come up and we have a preschool and right yet right. the school actually didn't go into that until the last couple several yeah. years like yeah. the last three mixed three years system, right? yes, yes, I know yes. in North they had a whole head start program shut down mm-hmm. and that budget was definitely thirty six million dollars mm-hmm. half of it was Abbott other half was mm-hmm. federally funded mm-hmm. that's gone mm-hmm. those children 
are now in still some um, private grantees, but then a mm-hmm. lot for that 2,600 population of children went to, has, I mean, excuse me, to public school. Public school. Mm-hmm. So to your mm-hmm. point, they are looking to go into the avenue. Yeah, one thing is familiar. As a parent, we never knew that was the avenue we've been going to. Right, Like, right, how about right, that right, avenue right. should have been when right. it should, should yeah. have been 10 years ago. You said this is the avenue to put money into, but nobody focused on it yet. Excuse me, a lot of people didn't focus on it yet. The focus on keeping people understood to be special needs. It, 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 it wears me out, especially talking about, like, a child like myself. I talked to the eight-year-old Alterese. Mm-hmm. My mother used to always be pressing on the fact that why she sent me to Catholic school after mm-hmm. traditional mm-hmm. Uh, public school because they were going to classify me as special ed mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of discipline and mm-hmm. because I was moving. Yet, she always held, led to believe and understand that she didn't want them to tab me on special ed, not because I need help, mm-hmm. because she was afraid it was going to be on me forever. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Once I yeah. did it in yeah. first grade, second grade, mm-hmm. it was going to travel all the way mm-hmm. to 12th grade mm-hmm. and colleges and all that. So, but that, but then when I look at it as an adult, I see how people, how schools lock in. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't have special needs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on your budget, you mm-hmm. look in the urban community, you look to find it's like something ain't right with you. Right, right, right. You like, know, you're first, not like providing. First, you ain't right. developing the right, children. Right, right, right. Right, right. Exactly. You know, yeah. Or if you were given, because you get IP mm-hmm. and in, in Head Start yep, in preschool. Yep, yep, you know, so yep. some schools have developed the children to point by their third, fourth grade. They don't need it anymore. Exactly. Yeah, it's a hindrance because now their special right. needs um, percentage right. is lowered. Now you don't really serve. Right. And yeah. So, yeah. And, I, and I say all that to say as far as how we hold on to the funding formula and the budget lines. And I, and I just use those yeah. two for five different things because to your point is a whole lot but yeah. mm-hmm. those were the ones I've seen discussed and, and, and picked on and not even picked up but um ad, ad, um advocated a lot mm-hmm. on or mm-hmm. deeply involved in. So I definitely want to touch on, on those. Sure, sure, sure. Um sure. I want to move because like I said, yep, this, you keep you tell me where you want to go soon. This, this, yep. is, mm-hmm. this topic is definitely not a, a conversation that can happen in an hour. Um it's actually more um lot more information about this. Right. Yeah, I wanted to give, you know, as close as a layman just structure of thinking and to the listeners, you know, we can continue to dive into this mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um people like um Ms. Duffy and others who have an energy around this are open to other opportunities of letting us know and understand this information because to fix the funding, first of all, you gotta let more people understand it. Exactly. <laughs> you know, know, like, if a group, because if you told me 11 years ago, we're down to you and maybe 12 people <laughs> that still <laughs> even live in New Jersey, because <laughs> we can't go find Corn right, 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 right now right, to right, talk right, to right, about right, it. Right, right. But my point being is, it's, it's, it's 11 years old and a lot of those parents are grandparents or their age, their children aged out. Right. Parents like me, who my daughter is a six a six year old, I got a lot more engagement. And this form might change. Mm-hmm. It might be a different one. So I need to start understanding yeah. what the prior. But you said something also that was key. Before this one, there were exactly. multiple yeah. ones, like pilot ones. There and were like a. We even got to respect that mm-hmm. might happen. That this formula may throw a grenade totally. in the next five years, yeah. ten years, so mm-hmm. we got to be prepared to even know what we want our education to fund anyway, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how we fund that. Um, so sure. um, moving sure. along, because um, the um, the local fair share calculation mm-hmm. was something that um, 
want to touch on just a if we sure. could a little bit mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's something that you know people think ah it's not it's not it's it wasn't it wasn't fair and you the way you broke it down it shows where the attempt to for the fairness to be mm-hmm. yet and if you could um because i got two more things i want sure. to talk to mm-hmm. if you could break down where the fairness is or where it should could be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that local mm-hmm. fair sharing mm-hmm. so it's two components income and district mm-hmm. and then you said property and value of the district exactly exactly well i mean i would say um you know, this is like the heart of the formula, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like, you wanted to, we wanted to make something that's equitable. Um, and so we had to look at like, wh- how do you evaluate like a district's ability to pay, that's right? Good. And there was, you know, we, ha- we had to look at something that was objective. Um, and so we looked at the income um, and then the property values in the district. Uh, and we did a lot of research at the time to look at like best practices on formulas. And these seem to be like the two kind of most objective measures. Mm-hmm. Um, because, because really what that should capture is like, if you just looked at property value, right? Like, like, let's just say you had towns like a Jersey city or long branch, like, right. You know, that's had an increase in their property value, but you didn't look at the typical income for folks in the district that, that would only give you one side of the picture, right? Like if you're just looking at property value, Mm -hmm. you're like, yeah, the property value is skyrocketing, but it's only in certain sections of the Mm -hmm. city and it doesn't Mm -hmm. really fully come, you know, account for the whole district. So this is like, we got to look at income as well too. Um, And so we put them in um, and uh, we put them both in. And as you said, weighted at 50, 50 for each district. Um, uh, And so, you know, I, we didn't get too much pushback on that at the time because I think people recognized that we were trying to, like, be fair in looking at multiple measures of ability to pay. Um, you know, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't think there's been too many other things that have, like, like, I don't think there's been too many other states that have, like, come up with new ideas of, like, looking at I actually at heard that they use this as in models in other states yeah, yeah. as a foundation. Um, now, obviously, I'll... You know, would like to look in more to see what they're going through to, mm-hmm. to fund theirs completely, or mm-hmm. if they're going through the same um, situations. Yet, yeah. as I wanted you to just uh, to touch on it because there are certain things that, like you said, property taxes and you know, and they use it the property tax as a value. Yet, when the mo- majority of the people who live in those um, properties don't own those properties, exactly, exactly, and yeah, you know the their income is not the equivalent of the landlord's exactly. income who you're exactly. looking at who pays exactly. that property tax. Exactly. We even looked at like, well, so a couple things. One is, yes, I think it's really been sort of fun and, and cool to see. Like we were doing, I'm making it sound like, oh, like it was very methodical. It was like very controversial. And we okay. did this, you know, with like two or three years of work, a lot of, we got a lot of pushback. Cause this is like a big um, shift, right? Like this is like a big shift. And, there were people who, um, you know, fought the Corzine administration on creating a new school funding room. They took support over it. Mm-hmm. So it's great to see that it has sort of, like, become this model now for other states because mm-hmm. we really did our homework on it and, and, and try to make it as fair as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing I would say. And then the second point is I think you're absolutely right. Like, you can't just look at one measure of ability to pay. Like, you can't just say, like, oh, property value, you know, because that can be really skewed. Mm-hmm. We also looked at – we kind of like we, we also we try to like again we took it really seriously and we looked we, we were like maybe we should like uh you know take off the top 
you know, 5% of income and the bottom 5%. Like we tried mm. to like look at different, um, different measures to really get at the most accurate. And, and as I said, that's why we ultimately decided to include both income and property value as these two measures. Um, and, you know, Jersey is a funky place. And we've talked about a few of these outliers, but like we thought that that would really kind of balance out um, by looking at both income and so I'm going to take you down mm-hmm. a lane that all my listeners know, and I have a pile of sand. My babies go to charter schools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And definitely there's going to be a conversation in regards to that simply because that is a part of my self-interest, but also a part of 80,000 other sure. parents in New Jersey self-interest with 50,000 being um, registered and enrolled in charter schools, another thousand on waiting lists. So there is a large percentage of the population that is looking to this energy. How does the charter school fit into the school formula? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked this question because I know it's not only an issue, an issue that's near and dear to your heart, but it is near and dear to my heart too. I spent a lot of my career after the Corzine administration doing work with charters and charter families. Um, and so so one of the things about, so like I said before, it's not, the formula's not perfect, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, you know, I wish it were. Um, but the formula, um, uh, like we talked about before, it, cre- it has these big categories of aid, equalization mm-hmm. aid, adjustment aid, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And um, charters are supposed to get, uh, you know, on paper, according to the law, 90% essentially of what the, what a district school is getting. Mm-hmm. And, and what that means is both looking at, um, like, state aid and then 90% of the local tax levy, okay. right? But when when the formula was written, and I say this, and I'm glad I got a chance to say this on the podcast, um, it was just an omission. The charters were not given access to adjustment aid. And I wish I could turn back time. I mean, I just made that's that that's $536 that five hundred million dollars. dollars. That nine billion. Exactly. So it's not a small piece of the pie. Like it's a big piece of the pie. Yes. And, and and they get none of it. And they don't get any of it. And people always ask me about that. I'm like, I I like, I'm like picture where I was in my office and you're working on adjustment and like there was never an intentional decision I think we were just so immersed in it and it's just an omission like that's what happens when you write laws they're not perfect and so you know so it wasn't caught you know and some of these things you don't really fully like understand until you go to implement the law and then you're like oh my god we didn't you, you know you can account for so many different scenarios but you don't catch everything and so charters never got adjustment so not only so so even if you just thought to yourself, okay. Charter- That's a plug for charter schools to be parents to be at the table exactly, decision making. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I mean, the, the charter school association yeah. was at the table, but it was like so complicated, so many moving pieces. But absolutely, like people who should be asking, like, how do charters fare in this? Um, so you look at like to begin with, ninety percent is obviously not the full hundred percent, right? Exactly. But then it's really not a full ninety percent mm-hmm. because you're not getting ninety percent of every aid category, and especially in a district which has a high um, amount of adjustment aid that's going into that, like at Jersey City, for example, mm-hmm. that's a big difference, you know. So charter schools do, do not get access to adjustment aid. Let me. I like where you went with that. So we definitely know uh, just the the type of an amount of state aid that I had highlighted, equalization, adjustment, mm-hmm. special education, transportation, and miscellaneous. Mm-hmm. And altogether, these, that, those buckets come up with the $99 million of funding. In the, in the, so no, special aid, no adjustment aid for charter schools yet in special education. Once again, that's a highlight where 
Charters don't serve special education students. Charters don't do this for special education students. Two cool things. One, obviously I spoke on how, and my, and my child definitely has an IEP, so I'm speaking from experience. Mm-hmm. They definitely do. Yet, one thing I know is also they attempt to not, not feed the situation continuously mm-hmm. in that child's education. Mm-hmm. So it says to me that they're not going after funding. Yeah, yeah. That they should be getting yeah. it. So my thing is, for them to, so if they're 12%, 1%, and the districts is 14 15%, to me, it's just weird that, where that 50% is, is a budget line. And if you're saying that some charter schools are able to bring that line down mm-hmm. and don't need that money, yeah. so you don't get adjusted aid, and they're not getting mm-hmm. the whole education money if they keep bringing that number mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. doing a disservice to themselves mm-hmm. if they're chasing that type exactly. of money. Exactly, exactly. So that's interesting Yeah, also. yeah. I mean, that's definitely the uh, the U.S. money is definitely like the biggest category of need, but yeah, there's going to be real differences as it relates to special education yeah. as well, too. Um, and I'm saying that because we say this is the money the mm-hmm. districts are looking for, mm-hmm. every piece of this. Mm-hmm. And my mm-hmm. thing is, one of those pieces we should be looking to decrease in regards to special education unless it's needed. Like, now, right. to be clear, there's right. definitely children right. exactly. who need that all the way to 12 years. Right. Yeah. Yet there's some yeah. children who've been given that title right. that don't need it any longer exactly. to say, exactly. to be nice. <laughs> we can do a whole other yeah. podcast on special education. I'd be happy to do because yeah. because the formula did change the way special education was done. Um, yeah, gonna but I don't even go that. down that yet. Too, the book yeah. I got that right. Um, but I think, well, I, think that, I think you're right. I mean, you're hitting on this piece, which is, we, we talked about this a lot. Like, in some cases, like, people are like, oh, charters get, like, 90% of what districts get. That's not true. In practice, it could be anywhere from 70 to 50% of what a district is. And eliminate, they get no adjusted aid. Exactly. But that's 90% exactly. on their equalization money. Essentially. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Plus the, plus, the, plus the local property yeah. tax. But so it's like, you know, so we have these examples of amazing charter schools um, all across the state, particularly in New York. You see charter schools closing the achievement gap in Newark, which mm-hmm. is like amazing, mm-hmm. right? And yet um, really, it's, a, it's, it's pretty factually clear that they're not getting the same in terms of funding. They also don't get any facilities funding. Right. Again, we can do a whole other thing That's on right. that, but facilities funding um, is a whole, it's not even on here, right? That it's a whole other $12 billion allocated for um, facilities funding mm-hmm. for, for districts, for the Abbott districts and the, book, um, mm-hmm. and the uh, suburban districts as well. Charters haven't gotten access to any of them. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's some pretty clear, like, you, Funding can, yeah, you can debate a lot of stuff in education, but that stuff is pretty factually unambiguous. That's, that's definitely interesting. Um, I have some more sure, questions. Keep, I'm going to take your lead. How are we yet, doing yet, yet, this is unfortunately how this thing continues to work on me. The time flies. Mm-hmm. So actually, I only have a strong five minutes left. Okay. And I actually want to take this opportunity for you to speak to my parents sure. in regards to state funding and sure. how parents sure. can play a role in this discussion Absolutely. from an advocacy angle, from an education sure. angle, sure. from an involvement mm-hmm. angle. So yeah. I'm giving you that platform. Please. Thank you. Thank That's you. Good. Well, I mean, I think you've already done such great work with the parents that you've been working with. And I think, um, I think there's just no substitute for, for parent voice. You know, we talked about this the other day, right? Like, I think there's budget hearings every year, like in the April and May time frame. And that's, you know, the governor consults his budget in um, usually February or March, and then the budget hearings are April and May. 
And having parents being able to testify at those budget hearings, I think there's no substitute for that. I mean, I know it's a pain. Trenton is a hard place to get to in the middle of the day. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But I still think there is it's incredibly valuable and effective um, for, for, for lawmakers to be able to hear from parents directly. Mm -hmm. You know, I think going in, and as you've met with uh, legislators in their offices, um, I think that so many, I mean, whether we're talking about broader school funding or the charter piece, like just for, the, for policymakers to hear from parents directly, I, I think um, it, it just helps them really contextualize what they're working on. I think in terms of getting educated, I think like, I'm sure you have resources you provide to parents in terms of what to read. I think um, I think that's like you know you got the basics down so you're here. Saying, you're saying definitely read up on the yeah, articles. Yeah, continue to read up exactly. Look at this information exactly. Uh, ask questions. It's, Send me questions. Yes. You see, yes. I have somebody making answers some of those questions, <laughs> and we'll continue because one yes. thing I'm blessed that you are with. New Jersey can, and you definitely want to make sure that parents know and understand Absolutely. with this information. So that I definitely know is opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because you might be reading something and you still have lots of questions. Yeah, so, that's, like, that's following up with Comprehending Alfred, is exactly, reading. Exactly. Follow up with Alfred, I'm happy to answer questions. My colleagues are. I think, like, like we talked about before, it's at some point, like, either a new school funding formula will be created or um, – what we have will be, you know, continually revised. So mm -hmm. having parents at the table, it, it will be absolutely necessary. And and the same could be true if there's a conversation further about charter facilities or other types of funding mm -hmm. for charters. Mm -hmm. Like, if I get up there and talk about it, you know, I'm just, you know, yeah. people know me. I've been around, you know. But, like, having parents actually be able to talk about what that means for their child, I think it's incredibly, incredibly valuable. No, I, and, I, and I appreciate that, again, because, once again, I, I always – attempt to let it be understood that I'm definitely not the guru of education, yet I'm definitely organizing the people around education to bring the resources that they all share yeah. about education and have a real civic conversation because you mentioned it, and I definitely believe the importance of the private, the public, and the civic sector coming together in a synergy. Absolutely. And right now, the pir private and the public mm -hmm. session are definitely connected and love each other. A civic individual, people down in the community going to work every day, yeah. nine to five, who ain't got time to be in Trenton at 10 o'clock in the morning. Of course, yeah. Definitely still have to organize how some of us can, some of us will, mm -hmm. some of us need to be. You to see the same people saying the same things, yet the people that it affects are not in position to share their voice. And what we're saying is you can be and you will be. As long as you can stay connected, we definitely make sure that these opportunities, because I've been down the train several times, and to your point, they tired of hearing from me. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell the truth. Yeah, I need other truth bearers to come and join that energy. And also different sessions, work sessions, um, different seminars, that we host for parents, engaging parents, to bring that information. Because, once again, I'm just a steward of the information, yet the people want to share, but we, we, we have to come together, and that's possible. Can I add one Definitely. thing? I think particularly parents who may be on a waiting list for charters. Mm. I think that that perspective can be incredibly helpful because, I mean, I think parents with students in charters, absolutely. Like, there is no doubt in my mind, like, I know, again, it's a big time investment, but being if if, if, they, if those parents can be available to testify, mm -hmm. I think that's very helpful. But also, if you are on a waiting list, 
I think that helps to demonstrate like there is greater demand um, which is just part of it part of the conversation we don't get to hear enough about and and that that's definitely important if you are on the waiting list or if you want to really know and mind you this podcast is about education and parents period yet if you really want to know about a topic like charter schools and things of that nature and understanding the myths or the facts, please reach out. You know, let's not continue to go on Facebook and have these back and forth conversations. Let's really have a real live conversation with the people at the table. and We can make that happen. We don't have to continue to fight because funding for all our children equally is the argument. You know, charter schools only generate maybe a percentage of that 1.4 million children that go to schools in New Jersey. So I'm about 80,000 kids want families desiring to, 50 actually, 80,000 wanting to. So that's a small percentage for it to be that much of a a serious fist fight about this conversation, and there's no need to be. So at Parents Engage Your Parents, we thank you continuously to – to being a part of this conversation and understand that our mission is always to make sure that the parents are full partners in our children's education experience and the character and design is definitely up to us. And we want to thank you for continuing giving us your listening ear and your undivided attention. We look forward to our next podcast. We're going to be talking about absentism. So please take a listen to this show. Hear us on parentsengageyourparents.org. Um, also, you can follow us on Facebook, and you also can follow us on Twitter, Instagram. And thank you once again, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Thank Have you. Have a great day. Thank you. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus